You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to be saved. Begin my sermon today with one of my favorite stories. I, I heard Ravi Zacharias tell this story, and um, I apologize if I've told it before. I, sometimes you forget which ones you've told, but it's, it's worth hearing again. There was a, a little boy who was coming up on his birthday, and uh, his mom passed his room and she heard him praying. And it was so cute because he was praying just like the pastor prayed at church. And he was praying for what he wanted for, for his birthday. And he, was, he said, Lord, I know I'm not worthy to come before you, but I, I wish to humbly ask for your favor. Um, and if, if you could find it in your heart, Lord, to give me a bike... Uh, for for my birthday, um, it doesn't need to be much, Lord. I just want to be able to to ride around the neighborhood with with the other boys. And well, if you could find it in your heart to get me a bike, I'd I'd greatly appreciate that. I, I ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, Mom was touched, and just was it was a beautiful thing to see her son praying that way. But money was tight, and so the birthday came and went, and there was no bike. The boy wondered what he'd done wrong, and uh, so he was listening to the radio one day, and he heard a heard a. Uh, one of these radio preachers said, you know, what the Lord wants you to do is claim the grace that has been given to you. The Lord can only answer specific prayers with specific answers. So you've got to be bold and say to Him exactly what you want. So she was walking by his bedroom and she heard him praying a little differently. And this time he was kneeling by his bed and he was saying, Lord, I just want to say to you that I know it is in your will to give me what would make my life abundant. So Lord, I know that you wish to give me a bike. And I know it's going to be metallic red. And I know that it's going to have a little Iron Man bell. And I know that there's going to be one of those things on the back that makes it sound like a motorcycle, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, I name it and I claim it. Amen. (laughs) Mom was worried. (laughs) Well, still the bike didn't come. And it was coming up on Christmas time. So they had set up all the Christmas decorations and mom was dusting one day and she noticed that the Virgin Mary was missing from the nativity scene. And in, in her place was a little card. And she picked up the card and she looked inside and it said, Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again. <laughs> Why? Why do we pray? <laughs> this is Christ the King Sunday. And we come together to acknowledge Jesus as king, but there are many reasons to do so. A king is not a popular thing amongst Americans. In fact, 
Our country was founded upon the idea of getting rid of a king. In fact, if you were my age and you grew up watching Schoolhouse Rock on Saturday mornings, there was a song called No More Kings. I see some of you nodding your head. (laughs) A king is someone you obey. And obedience isn't high on the list of virtues that Americans find uh, worth acclaim. We tend to lionize the rebels. We want to see them be the heroes of the story. So why Christ the King? Why celebrate this as the culmination of an entire church year? Well, one of the theologians I like to listen to uh, in one of his recent broadcasts lifted up something which I thought was interesting, and it was the connection between obedience and love. In fact, he was holding up what St. Augustine had said many years ago, that if you, sh- if you show me what a man loves, I will show you his- what he becomes. We obey out of love. Now, that may not be self-evident at the beginning, but let me, let me put this in the worst-case scenario for you. I want you to imagine you're driving down the road, and maybe, completely by accident, your car has drifted into a speed that is in excess of the numbers at the side of the road. And all of a sudden, in your rearview mirror, you see blue and red lights. And you pull over. And the officer comes up to your window and says, Do you know how fast you were going? And you dutifully say, No. And they tell you. And they write you a ticket. Now, most of us will, at that point, obey the law, sit politely and wait for our ticket. Maybe we'll write down the officer's number if we're that scrupulous. Um, But we'll say, no sir or yes ma'am or whatever needs to be said. And we will drive at a much safer speed onto our destination. Now, it is not obvious that our obedience is based on love. But it is. Love of ourselves. None of us really want to get that many points on our thing. None of us is going to peel out of that pulled over position and take off and run. It may be for love of ourselves. It may be for love of the people around us. Maybe our job requires that we have access to a car. And so we don't want to let down the people who depend on us by not having the ability to drive for a while. So we obey the law out of love. Love for self, love for others. But the higher the stakes become, the more important it is that we do what we do for love, not just of self, but of others, and even greater of the cause for which we're obedient. We honor our veterans who gave their lives in the service of our country every Memorial Day. They died not just fighting for the man beside them, although that, they would certainly affirm that, but also for what it, America stands for. For liberty, for the ability to use the resources given to us to make a better world. For the dream that is America. The same way when we come to Christ as King, and He is about His kingdom work of saving humanity. We obey not simply out of love of self or even love of others, but because He Himself is worthy to be loved. Think about the character of the King we exalt on this day. He 
He does not simply stand on the mountain and hand down dictums and say all to all of us, do what I say, although it's certainly within his right to do so. But as we just sang about the king incarnate being born, when he takes on our humanity, he does things like wrap a towel around himself and kneel down to wash our feet and serve us. He teaches us to give of self by giving of himself. And predominantly he gives of himself on the cross. Where God, who ought never to have experienced death, willingly embraces death for our sake, for the sake of our salvation. And here is a truth which you need to grasp onto with both hands. And it's that Jesus went to the cross not just for the salvation of the world, but for your salvation. If you were the only person who had ever lived, Jesus would have still gone to the cross for your sake. That is the character of the God we serve. He is worthy of our obedience because He is worthy of our love. And as our King, He is engaged engaged in a great battle. We are part of the church and we are told that this church of which we are a part, the gates of hell will not prevail against her. Understand the picture that Jesus paints when He says that is of hell as the fort and we're attacking it. It's its gates that won't stand up against the assault of God's people. Evil and all it stands for will come crashing down in the end. But the battle is fierce. And most of us know this. Most of us, at least men, when we think about getting into the armed services, we hope for a position of honor. All the movies are about people in positions of great responsibility and great valor. But the the parable Jesus tells us today reminds us that there are no small posts in this war. That the smallest, most menial tasks of all are in fact the ones where the kingdom progresses the most. In the feeding of the hungry, the clothing of the naked, caring for those who are sick, who are imprisoned and need hope brought to them. In all of these things, we serve Christ Himself when we serve others. Martin Luther, when he lifted up that great truth we were celebrating last month that we are saved by grace and not by our works. He didn't say works were of no use. He said if they're, no, they're of no use to God because He doesn't need them, but they're of use to your neighbor. They need your works. And so we turn and serve one another in love. And as we're receiving our assignments every day when we wake up, how will we serve? Who will we serve? Christ in disguise. The worst assignment we can get is the assignment to suffer. All of us will suffer at some time in our lives. When God became flesh in Jesus, He took up the burden of suffering and didn't hold it at a distance from Himself. 
we will suffer. And yet in our suffering, God can still do amazing things. I want to share with you a story I came across a couple of months ago. I'm going to read it, first of all, because it's by a woman, and I'm not really sure I could catch the way a woman speaks. Um, But because I don't want to change the words, they're hers and they're so powerful. This is Betty King who wrote this. She said, If someone in my family had to have an incurable disease, I'm glad it was me. It has rearranged my priorities, rerouted my highways, and straightened my paths. I used to be a typical young woman, dead set on being skinny, blonde, and beautiful. Well, as near to that scenario as possible. I loved clothes and shoes and purses to match. I loved being the wife of a successful business and city councilman. I enjoyed being the mother of kids who were active and star sportsmen and cheerleaders. I liked being the talented daughter of my parents and having my vocal cords requested. I was fond of being in demand to serve on committees, though being the big cheese was never my desire. Immaculate houses were high on my list and nice, comfortable cars seemed a necessity. Go, go, go was my middle name. I took up golf and bowling for myself under the pretense it would help keep me in shape and travel. Well, I love to travel. Just let someone say go and I was packed and ready. I'd go anytime, anywhere, and everywhere. All my husband had to say was, let's go, and I was on a plane, in the car, or on a ship. I loved the Lord. He was a big part of my life. I'd been raised in a Christian home and had given my heart to God. I was raising my children in the church and teaching them right from wrong. The Lord had always been there for me and I had tried to be there for Him. But I failed more times than I care to recall. MS came to call on me one day. And my body, not knowing its intent, invited him in. I call it him, though I often refer to it as a sneaky snake. It strikes out and you never know what part of your body it will attack. It is much like the devil and his forces of evil that are out to devour, catching you unaware of his presence or intent. It started by numbing my spine and fingertips and had both me and the doctors baffled. I grew used to the lack of normal sensations and learned to live with it. Much like sin we entertain. My eyes soon fell to the serpent's havoc. I was hospitalized and given the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. Slowly my life began to change, both in ways large and small. I started having more conversations with the one who was always available. I began to ask him for favors. Please keep me on my feet, Lord. The Bible started becoming a book of instructions instead of something I occasionally read. As my faith was deepening and my priorities changing, my body was succumbing to the varmint that had seized me. But as MS was grabbing my central nervous system, I was reaching out to God. I can't do this without you, I informed him, as if he didn't know. I had to start using a cane and my pride was tackled. Then I began to use a wheelchair when shopping. Then traveling to exotic places no longer seemed so important. Two canes became a necessity and high heels were out of the question and vanity went out the window. Because of medicines and my eventual graduation to a three-motorized scooter full-time, I'm twice the size I used to be. I no longer fret over wanting to be skinny. 
I'm just thankful there are medicines to help somewhat with my physical burdens. The time came when I willingly gave up a large home. My housekeeping abilities have near vanished. There are so many things I see more clearly now. Businesses can fail. Children grow up. Talents unused fade away. Fancy cars do not accommodate motorized scooters. Politicians can be voted out of office. Husbands who are friends as well as true lovers stick around for the duration. When God closes a door, he opens a window. My vocal cords went unused and lost their talent, but he gave me back my vision and the desire to write. I've always been thankful to God for keeping me on my feet until my children were raised. I am thankful for him opening my eyes to see more clearly new paths I should tread. I have never blamed him for my problems, only asked him to open my eyes to the blessings that surround me. I still breathe one desperate prayer, Lord, please help me not to become any more of a burden than I already am. But if it ever should happen, I'm sure there will be a purpose and a heavenly lesson to learn. Yes, I've always said that if anyone in my family had to have MS, I was sure glad it was me. I don't think anyone else could have been strong enough. They would have taken to their beds long ago. That used to be my reasoning. But now, as I ponder upon the most likely reason, it is that there was someone who needed their priorities rearranged, their highways rerouted, and their pathways straightened out. And it was me. Yes, I am thankful for MS. Oh, I detest its imposition on my life, but it has truly been a blessing in disguise. Though God did not cause my MS, He used it as the clay to mold me into becoming more of the person He knew I could be. Do you find that kind of faith inspiring? I do. And I'm not alone. When people were asked who was most influential upon their faith journey, usually right behind the person who introduced them to Jesus in the first place, is watching someone suffer with dignity. If God were to say to you, I will let you be the instrument of my grace to bring someone to saving faith, would you say yes? Sometimes in our suffering, that is exactly what we are. And we know, as Paul reminds us in Romans, that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Knowing that, Do we trust and love our King enough to be obedient to Him? He loves us that much. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, You created all things through Your Son, when He became flesh like us, He showed us that all things 
were made to return to you. In him you are reconciling the world to yourself. And we thank you for that. He has made the way of the cross to be the way of life. And we ask you, Lord, to help us love him more so that we may find no task too menial, no suffering too great to be borne for the hope of the glory that waits us still. And we ask that you do these things for us through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light.